Genesis chapter number 28. I want to bring you a message this morning entitled, Some Things to Keep in 2023, from Genesis chapter number 28. Good to see you this morning, and again, Happy New Year to you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. I went to sleep on the way to church this morning. I didn't see the ball drop last night. I made it till about uh, 1138 and uh, I went to sleep. So, uh, but I did take a nap on the way to church and I'm not sure I'm fully awake yet. But I'm having a good, it's been good to be here, isn't it? I'll tell you, I'd rather be here. What a great place to be on the first day of the year. Isn't that wonderful? And so I was thinking this morning, I was telling Brian, as I was reflecting, sitting there in my study, and I want you to think about this with me. What impact does this church make on this community in a year's time? Look back and reflect on 2023 or 2022 and think, what now? I know that we're, we're like the spokes of a wheel. I mean, we have this church, it has its influence, the Bible has its influence, the pastor has its influence, and some people go home to Saltville and Whitetop and Conorock and Marion and Abingdon and Lebanon, and, and I mean, we, we have, we run out like spokes of a wheel, our influence, isn't that great? But this church should still have a center hub of influence. And I've been thinking about that, what influence has our church got in this immediate community. Let's think about that this year. All right. Okay. What I want to bring you is a message entitled some things to keep in 2023. We looked at the Christmas story and I don't think the Christmas story is completely over. We saw the scene of the shepherds. They'd been notified that angels had, uh, had notified them that the Savior had been born in Bethlehem. The shepherds believed that story, and they were so awestruck at that heavenly vision that they went to Bethlehem to see that thing which had come to pass, and they found Jesus exactly in the same manner that the angels said he would be. And when they found him, they worshipped him. The Bible says it, but when they had seen it, their faith, don't miss this, the faith of the shepherds brought them to the Lord Jesus Christ. True faith will always bring you to Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And so they, it brought them to Christ, and their faith brought them to Christ, but their faith did something else. After they had seen the Lord Jesus, the Bible says they went abroad making known this saying that what the angels had prophesied was exactly true. Can I tell you how to begin this year? To know that what God has said in his word is exactly true. What God has prophesied will happen. So the shepherds were the first witnesses of the Lord Jesus. But the Bible says, and this is where the thought came from, the Bible says that Mary kept all these things. She didn't follow the, ship, the lead of the shepherds. She didn't go out proclaiming, I've had the Christ child. I've No, the Bible says that she kept these things and she pondered them in her heart. That word kept here carries the idea that she kept close in mind all these events. Think about what Mary had seen, angels announcing his birth, uh, knowing that she was a virgin, knowing that she'd not known a man, knowing that, that these uh, heavenly visitors had come by, knowing that wise men had come by and that shepherds had come by and all these things 
they were going, they were just swirling in her mind, and the Bible says she kept them to think about. She pondered them. That, I, that word carries the idea of treasured them or secured them in her heart. She carefully preserved this whole scene that she might revisit it at times in her mind. In the theater of her mind, she preserved all these things to replay them. And today there are some things that you and I ought to secure in our hearts. Amen? We ought to secure some things, treasure some things, keep some things, hold some things dear to our heart. I want to give you nine things. If I have time, I'll give you the whole nine. If I don't, we'll, I'll cut it off. My messages, I used to say, are like baloney. They, you can cut them off in the middle or at the end or right in the middle, and it's still good. So here we go. Number one, a good work ethic. Number one, the things to keep in 2013 a good work ethic. Somebody say amen. amen. That's a good point to start with because that's the first work time we find the word keep in the Bible. The Bible says, and the Lord God took the man, that's Adam in the garden, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden to dress it and to keep it. I want you to understand right off the bat this morning that the first thing God instructed Adam to do was to work in the garden. He was to work. He was to maintain it. He was to dress it. He was to farm it. He was to manicure it so it would produce. Somebody say amen. amen. That was what, listen, God did not make Adam to lay around on his duff and eat bananas and suck grapes. Some people have that idea. Well, preacher, that was paradise. That was the Garden of Eden. Yeah, but God gave Adam a job. And that job was a sacred job. Although he was working secularly, it was what God called him to do. There's no difference in the sacred and the secular when you're doing God's will. Let that sink in. We've got to move on. So Adam was not just created to lay around. He was, he was created to have labor and productivity. He was given a job. And the Lord expected Adam to, to receive that responsibility, to follow his instructions, to develop a good work ethic. And that would make Adam happy, healthy, and holy. And Adam, listen, Adam was to do that so he could enjoy the fruits of his labor. Amen. There is nothing like, the Bible says, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. There's nothing better than making your own money. Amen. There's nothing better than providing for your family. There's nothing better than, than being independent. Amen. And, and, and going out and earning, it'll make you happy, holy, and healthy. Well, you say, but preacher, that God was this good, big, loving God, and the Garden of Eden was this paradise. Oh, listen, it still required Adam to get his hands to work. It gave him a purpose, gave him a job. But you know where we are in our modern society? We want to invent everything in the world so we don't have to work. Now, there's nothing wrong with improvement. I don't want to go back to horse and buggies. Amen. I'm not going to trade my tractor or my dozer for a horse and an old mule. But listen, everything we invent is so we can just lay around and push buttons. 
You know what we're trying to do? I want you to think about this. We're trying to go back to the Garden of Eden so we don't have to labor so hard. You see, God created, don't miss this. God created us to be busy and labor and work with our hands, but that got multiplied when Adam sinned. Adam's labor got harder after he sinned. The Bible says in the sweat of thy face, after he sinned, after the the world and the earth started growing forth weeds and thistles, the Bible says in the sweat of thy face, shall thou eat bread until thou return to the ground. So work was going to be harder, the ground was not going to produce as much, and Adam was going to have to labor more. And here's one of my favorite verses of Scripture as we finish the first point. The Bible says that we study to be quiet and to do our own business and to work with our own hands. Let me tell you something. If you'll keep that in 2023, you'll be a happy person. Study to be quiet. Work with your own hands and do our own business. Number two, God's covenant. We're to keep God's covenant. Not only a good work ethic, but number two, we are to keep God's covenant. The Bible says in in Genesis 17, And God said to Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant. Therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generation. That word keep right there means this. It means to watch over or to preserve intact. We ought to be diligent to make sure this year that we live by the word of God. This is God's covenant. It is God's will. It is God's testament to us. It is God's covenant with us. And when God made a covenant with me, he sent the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a blood covenant. And I'm to get under, as a, as a human being, I'm to get under the blood covenant of Jesus Christ. And when I get under that blood covenant, I come to the word of the living God because that is my written covenant. God help us to live by the book. We ought not just to live this book with our lives, but we ought not to amend this book or let somebody change our Bible. If Satan can change your Bible, he can change you. If Satan can change you, he can change your church. If Satan can transform this word into something else it's not supposed to be, God, uh, Satan can transform us into being more like him. Literally hundreds of times in the Bible, we are told to keep, that word keep is going to keep coming back. We're told to keep his commandments. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my commandments as the apple of thine eye. Keep my commandments and be blessed. So listen, whether you like the book, whether you don't like the book, whether you want to change the book, or whether you agree with the book, friend, don't mess with God's word. It is his covenant with man. He said to keep these words. He said, thou shalt keep my covenant. Teach it to your children, the Bible says. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. He said, ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God. He said, keep them just as Mary kept some things. We're to keep them. We're to treasure them. We're to preserve them. I believe that God has preserved his word, and it's up to me to do my part to preserve the word of God. 
God help us to be preservers or keepers of the word. Jesus said in John chapter number 14, verse number 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Listen, friend, this morning, if 2022 had you living like the devil, amen, and your life was headed for a devil's hell. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'll tell you how to get that right with God. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ, begin to love him and keep his commandments. Your life will turn around. Praise God. It sure will. The Bible says, Know therefore that the Lord, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy. He'll keep his side. Amen. He said he keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Praise God for his faithfulness on his covenant side. Then I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 28, verse number 20. You're already there in Genesis 28. Let's see something else we ought to keep here. The Bible says we're to keep the way of the Lord. Genesis 28 and verse number 20. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, verse number 20, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go, and give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and all that thou shalt give me I surely will give the tenth unto thee. The name of this place where Jacob spoke this promise to God, he made a covenant with God. He said this place is Bethel. Bethel being interpreted is the house of God. Jacob said, I'm going to take this stone. When I get back, if God will keep me and bless me, I'll go in his way. I'll keep his way. And when I get back to this place, I'm going to take this stone and I'm going to build the house of God. I'm going to maintain the house of God. I'm going to give a tenth of everything I have and everything that God's blessed me so that this place will be maintained. I tell you, we ought to keep the way of the house of God this year. Amen. Amen. The name of this place was Bethel. The Bible tells us of many, many ways that we can go. There's the way of Cain. The way of Cain was a religious way, but it wasn't the right way. Amen. The way of Balaam was a profitable way, but it wasn't the right way. The way of Korah was a rebellious way, but it wasn't the way of God. Amen. The way, hey, the Bible says that the seed, the seed of the word of God, Jesus said, would fall by the wayside and the birds of the air would come and snatch it up I'm going to tell you something, the devil wants to take the word of God, snatch it up so nobody will get saved this year the devil wants to take, take and snatch the seed up that you sow so nobody will get in the house of God, so nobody will rededicate their life to the Lord, so nobody will give and be faithful. Hey, we ought to keep the way. We ought to be like Jacob at Bethel. Lord, your way is going to be my way. I'm going to go your way. I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. I'm going to give. I'm going to be, be there for whatever is needed. That's the way of God. Amen. Yes, sir, it sure is. And so the Bible says uh, about this way, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The third thing we ought to keep 
in 2023 is the way of the Lord. Amen. Number one, a good work ethic. Number two, what was number two? I done forgot. Somebody tell me. No. Thank you. And number three, the way of the Lord. Number four, we ought to keep the trust of others. The trust of others. Let me, let me just slow down right here. Because relationships are built on trust. Let me give you what the Bible says. In Leviticus 6, I don't have time to read all that. The Bible's giving a rule in Leviticus 6, 4 of trustworthiness. And the Bible says if you find something that belongs to somebody else, you're to return it. That's what it says. The Bible says if you borrow something, you're to return it as you got it. That's what it says. The Bible says if somebody entrusts something to you, that you are to keep it. And the Bible says if somebody entrusts something, a possession to you while they leave or whatever is the reason, if they entrust it to you and, it, and something happens to it, then you're to restore it plus 20%. That's the Bible. You know what that does? That builds a trust relationship. So if you find something that's not yours, one time Lisa found about $8,000 in a Ziploc bag at one of them wave pools down there in the Sevierville area. $8,000. Somebody's, somebody, some crazy person put it in a, a Ziploc bag and had it in their, their swimming trunks and that wave pool knocked that thing out. I said, man, if you'd have kept that, we'd have had a real good vacation. You know, she was trustworthy. She turned it in. That was somebody's savings for the whole year, probably, to go on vacation. But so what's, what's the point, preacher? Let me, let me just listen. Relationships are built on trust. Marriage relationships, first of all. Marriage relationships are built on trust. You can build a short-term relationship on mutual interests. I mean, if both of you like to ride horses or go swimming or vacate, whatever. You can build a short-term relationship on sex. You can build a short-term relationship on the desire to be successful in money, but you can only build a long-term relationship on trust. Boy, it got quiet. Listen, not just in the marriage relationship, this community needs to trust this church. And the people in this church, if we find something, we'll return it. If we borrow something and break it, we'll just give it back with 20%. Amen. I'm talking about just common sense trustworthiness. The Bible says if you've done something wrong, then restore it. So if you read in the law of Moses here, we're to be trustworthy. You know what? The reason some people never get promoted on the job, they're skilled. They're talented, they can perform, but upper management doesn't trust them. And they get all angry when somebody else gets promoted who, who, who has less ability and less skill. And you know why? Upper management, they had developed, the person who got promoted had developed a trust relationship. Boy, it's really getting quiet now. Relationships are built 
on trust. Now, some people, let me just slow down. Some people find that out early. And I knew a man one time, and he would move into a church, and he would win the trust of the pastor, the deacons, and all the leaders in the church. He'd win their trust, and then he would start borrowing money. And then after he borrowed an X amount of money, he would skip out. Then he would find another church, and he would do the same exact thing. He would go far enough in geographical distance away from this church, find another church, and do the exact, gain the trust, and he would do the same. When he finally got caught, it was like he had embezzled $2 million. I'm not talking about New York City. I'm talking about Southwest Virginia people. Trust. Relationships are built on trust. Amen. Then number five. That leads us to this. The attendance of the house of God. Some things we ought to keep. You're in, you're in church the first Sunday of this year. Thank you. But make this not a habit, but a way of life. Be in the house of God, Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Man, we have some wonderful Wednesday night services. It'll help you with your Christian life. You know how you do that? You plan for the Sunday morning service on Saturday night. Amen. You plan on Wednesdays to be here when you get up in the morning on Wednesday morning. It's a church night. I used to live my whole Wednesdays when I worked a job. My whole Wednesdays was worked. And sometimes I'd have to get a million things done before I could go home, but I knew it was Wednesday. And if there was ever a time that the devil tried to beat me to death, it was Wednesday. He was worse on Wednesday than he was on Sunday morning. And so the Bible says, ye shall keep, here's something else to keep, ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord the word keep here, keep the sanctuary, keep the Sabbaths, keeps attend, keep attendance of the house of God is the Hebrew word shamar, and it means to bodyguard. Now that doesn't mean that I've got my, uh, my pistol strapped to my belt and I'm, I'm a, a secret service agent in the house of God. What it means is that I'm guarding this church to be sure that the doors are open, the treasury's in good shape, Amen. I'm the bodyguard. This is my place of worship. I'm to love it, preserve it, treasure it, keep it. Amen. I'm to bodyguard this place with my presence, with my power, with who I am. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus didn't, G listen to me carefully, Jesus Christ died for the church. Now, I know he died for us as individuals, and, but listen, he didn't die for individual belief systems, so you could believe this, and you could believe this, and I could believe something different. He died for us as the church of the living God. Amen. 
And so he died to build the church. He said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Number six, the sixth thing we ought to keep. Now you're really going to get quiet is we ought to keep our tongue. Our tongue. David said this in Psalm 39. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. James said that the tongue is an unruly evil which no man can tame. And he goes on and talks about the rudders of the ship and the bridles for the horses and the little fire that breaks out, a little candle that breaks out and burns a whole city. And he says that's the way our tongue is. You say, preacher, how good are you at it? Not too good. I was reviewing 2022, my journal. In 2022, I made a New Year's resolution to guard my tongue more. I was going to watch what I said. I wanted everything that came out of my mouth to be building and edifying and watch my criticism, my cynicism, Watch my mouth when it come to hitting my hand with a finger with a hammer. Amen, <laughs> uh, hey preacher. Uh, them little words slip. And I worked at a power plant for 35 years with men who didn't care if they let them words slip. And that becomes a habit. Are y'all listening? So I made in 2022 this wonderful resolution that I was going to guard my mouth. And on the third day of January, I broke it. <laughs> yep. The average man speaks 20 to 30,000 words a day. The average woman doubles that. <laughs> Google that. That didn't come out of the Bible. <laughs> It's just one of those facts. I thought I'd throw that out there, ladies. <laughs> God help us. The Bible says, whoso keepeth his mouth. Talking about keeping some things. Whoso keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But who that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. <laughs> Most of the destruction in my life has been because I couldn't keep this big gap shut at times. Amen. Let's move on. The seventh thing to do, boy, I got two minutes. Here we go. Seventh thing is keep thy heart. Proverbs 4, 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Whatever is in your heart this morning is going to come out in this year. You can make resolutions. You can turn over new leaves. You can, you can review. You, listen, but whatever's in here is going to come out in your life in 2023. If there's hatred in here, it's going to come out. If there's emulence and variance and jealousy and envy and strife, and, and listen, if there's war in here, it's going to come out. War in your life. And the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. J. Vernon McGee said it like this, whatever's in the well of your heart is going to come out of the bucket of your, your mouth. And it's going to come out in your life. It's going to issue forth in your life. Lifestyle changes. Don't miss this, please. On the first day of this year, lifestyle changes do not begin with a resolution. They begin in the heart. 
And in the inner man, that's where God wants to work. Remember the message a few weeks ago on be you transformed. God wants to transform us from the inside out. So how do I keep my heart, preacher? I keep it with the word of God. Get in this book. The Bible says that God, when Adam sinned in the garden, that God placed a a cherubim with a flaming sword to keep him out. Adam couldn't get back in there. And the Bible is a sword. It is quick, the Bible says, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. If you're going to keep your heart, you're going to have to keep it with the sword of the Word of God. Or the world's going to get in there. Hatred's going to get in there. Sin is going to get in there. The way of the devil's going to get in there. This book will keep it out. Praise God for his word. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Number eight, keep the peace. Keep the peace. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 3, endeavoring to keep the peace in the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep the peace. Let me tell you something about peacekeeping. Peacekeeping is an endeavor. It's an endeavor. It's something that, you know what an endeavor is? Something that you've got to work at. You know how we'll keep peace in this church? (laughs) Oh, you say we know the Prince of Peace and we'll just worship him. There's some work involved. There's some work involved. The devil wants to get in here and create conflict and misunderstandings and miscommunications. Oh, how he'd love to just rip us apart. There's some things you've got to endeavor to do. You've got to work at it. You've got to look over some things. Amen. This will help you. People are people. And you're going to misunderstand their looks. You're going to misunderstand their body language. You're going to miss, I mean, you're going to just, there's going to be misunderstandings. And you have to endeavor. You have to work at keeping peace. You've got to overlook some things. Amen. If you ever become a pastor, you'll learn that big time. I mean, you just, you just got to move on with life. Notice the word endeavoring. Endeavoring means to strive for it. We ought to be a peacekeeping force. And by the way, you'll never have peace with anybody else until you have peace with yourself. And the only way to have peace with yourself is to have peace with God. And the only way to have peace with God is to get to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. So when you get to him, you get the peace of God. The peace of God gives you peace in your life. And you know what? You don't mind spreading that just a little bit. Endeavoring to keep the peace. Then lastly, i got to close. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Paul said, I've finished my course. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Paul, at the end of his life, he didn't say, look what I did. Look how many churches I built. Look at the churches I established. Look at the missionary trips I went on. Look at the people I went. Well, I won people to the Lord from the slums to the palace. Look at what I've done for Jesus. He said, no, I finished my course. 
I've kept the faith. That was the thing that pleased him the most. You know why? Because your faith, amen, your faith before this year is over is going to be tried. It's going to be tried. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't deviate from your faith. Don't procrastinate from your faith. Don't let the devil discourage you in your faith. Don't, let, don't you dare let the events of this upcoming year tear your faith down. Keep the faith. Death may move into your family this year. Financial disaster may move into your family this year. Hey, there may be many, many circumstances that come along. There may be tragedy, heartaches, burdens, suffering. But in the midst of tragedy, I'm telling you, if you get a relationship with Jesus Christ and he'll be close to you, the tragedy can be a triumph. Instead of being a victim, you can be a victor in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, listen to me carefully as I close. Uh, our joy is not based on how much happiness is in the world. Let me say that again. Our joy is not based on how much happiness is in the world. Our joy is based on the happiness of heaven. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. There's no depression in heaven, praise God. Uh, there's no sadness there. There's nothing in the presence of our Lord but joy and peace and, and power in the Holy Ghost. I feel a little breeze from heaven. Praise God. My joy in 2023 is not going to be based on what Russia does in Ukraine. It's not going to be based on what the Democrats do or the Republicans do or what our governor does. My joy is forever settled in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm headed to heaven with a hammer down and if this world falls apart I've got a God that stays together amen. glory to God amen Whew. our joy I close with this blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein because the time is at hand. It's closer in 2023 than it's ever been. Praise God. We're going to have a very brief invitation. Very brief. Every head bowed and every eye closed. <clears throat> I would not go through this day. And what is an invitation? Maybe some, somebody may be here... You've never been to church much. You don't know. You don't, maybe you have, and you don't know what an invitation is. A lot of people don't even give them anymore. Well, we do. An invitation is an invitation for you to come to Christ. This time is your time. My time's over. It's your time to come to Christ. If you're lost, I invite you to Jesus Christ this morning. I don't invite you to the church. I don't invite you to our doctrine. I don't invite you to our assembly. I invite you this morning to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh my, what a blessing it would be to see somebody give their heart to Christ today. Would there be somebody here who's lost and you've never been saved? You don't know Christ as your Savior. The invitation to come to Christ is now. Would you step out of your seat and move forward? We'll meet you here with the Bible. 
show you how you can become a Christian, how you can get your sins forgiven, how you can get under this covenant that I've been preaching about, how you can have a changed life from the inside out. Praise God. Would there be one here? By your coming, you say, preacher, I want to get right. Then let's do this. I don't do this much, but I'm going to this morning. Maybe there'll be one here that needs to rededicate their life. Maybe through the holidays or maybe through the fall or toward the end of the year, you slipped a little bit. Hey, it's okay. We all do. Maybe you want to say, I'm going to take today and just rededicate my life to the Lord. I'm just going to come, preacher, and get on the altar. And that's my coming is just representative that I'm making a change. I'm going to re-up. It's not a resolution. It's a rededication to say, I want to reaffirm what I know is right and what is true. We wait just a moment. I said it would be brief. Nobody comes. We're going to close. Oh, the best thing you can do today. Number one, if you're lost, is get saved. Number two, if you're saved, is get to that right relationship with Jesus Christ. And all the people said, amen. Amen.